Turn with me please this morning to 1 Timothy, the 6th chapter. For some weeks now we've been on this series we've called, Would Jesus Wear a Rolex? And of course there are many and varied opinions about the answer to that question. Some people are quite adamant about it and go, no, he would not. And of course right behind that they think, and nor should you. And uh, of course they fail to realize if they have any measure of prosperity themselves, they're a hypocrite. Uh, if it's wrong for me, it's wrong for you. And uh, so there's a lot of uh, ideas about this. And sometimes people want to conjecture about what would Jesus do? Would he do it? Would he not do it? Would he have it? Would he not have it? And a lot of people like to keep it in that realm because they think, well, you don't really know and I don't really know. So you just do what you think and I'll do what I think. But instead of conjecturing about what would Jesus do, we need to focus on what he did and what he said. Because he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And whatever he said then... He says now, whatever he did then, that's what he would do now. He does not change. And so he has said a lot of things about this, and he has done some things. And we saw that he did receive very expensive personal gifts. And we see that people talked about it then, just like people talk about things now. But it wasn't Jesus that said he shouldn't have received it. They should have sold it and given it to the poor. It was Judas. And he said it not because he cared about the poor. He was faking and being phony about caring for the poor to cover his own covetousness. And that's a low thing. That's an ugly thing. And in 1 Timothy 6.10 it says, For the love of money is the root of all evil. Or one translation said all kinds of evil. Which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith. And pierce themselves through with many sorrows. You've heard probably many times people misquote this verse and say money is the root of all evil. You probably hear that more than you do the verse quoted right. Money is the root of all evil. Well, no, the Bible did not say money was the root of all evil. What did it say? The love of money. And then sometimes people say, well, you know, that's just being picky about words. Oh, no, no, no. Money and the love of money are two very completely different things. You can love money and have none. Some of the most covetous people on the planet are poor people. All they do is think about money they don't have and long for things they don't have and long for and covet that house or that car or that money and stuff. And just like it's possible to love money and have none, it's also possible to have a lot of money but not love it. Is it possible to have a whole lot of stuff but love God above everything and willing to do whatever He says with any of it? At any time, nothing you got that you're so attached to, you wouldn't give it, sow it, sell it at a moment's notice when the Lord tells you to. So no, loving money and having money not the same thing at all. And the problem is not having money. The problem is loving money. I know my uh, father in the faith, Kenneth Hagin, who's going to be with the Lord now, he said he struggled in his finances for years and years and years after being in the ministry. 
just, you know, went for years and his kids and he weren't adequately clothed and his car was so junky, he had to sell it for junk because he couldn't sell it to anybody else and then walked and rode with other people. I mean, he was, you know, and behind and in debt. And finally, he got to seeking the Lord and, and fasting about it. And the Lord gave him revelation, ministered to him. He, there's two or three books that came out of it. He talked about, you know, how God taught him about prosperity. And one of the things that the Lord said to him, he said, if you learn how to be led by my spirit, I'll make you rich. There's that word again. He said the head of the church told him that. And he said when he did, it shocked him. Because nothing out of the background he had come out of, he had never heard anything like that before. He had heard the opposite, that if you were really holy and sold out to God, you don't want any of that old money. And everybody sang every Sunday, I don't want any of this old world's goods. <laughs> well, you need some of this old world's goods to pay your bills, right, <laughs> and to get through. You know, a lot of stuff, just because it's in the hymnal, don't make it true. Do you know that now? And even some of the songs we really like. I mean, verse 1 and 2 and the chorus are amazing. And verse 3 is awful. Same song. It is. We got to watch it. And um, so he said, the Lord said that to him. If you'll learn how to be led by my spirit, I'll make you rich. And he's thinking, Lord. And of course, the Lord knows your thoughts. And he said, the Lord said to him further, he said, I'm not opposed to my children being rich. I'm opposed to their being covetous. And oh, the church has missed that, haven't they? They've equated the same. They've equated having stuff with being covetous. They've equated money with the love of money. And it's not true. I believe the master said that. I can see it in other places in the word. I'm not opposed to my children being rich. I'm opposed to their being covetous. In fact, he said, he went on to tell him, he said, I expect my people to have the best place in town to meet in. Went on, began to say different things to him. Well, after all, God's highest and best that he's created on this earth, is it just for the devil's crowd? Is it just for sinners and those that blaspheme and and turn against God? Why would it be? No, no, God's a good God. And the blessing of the Lord. Say it out loud, it's making me rich. It's making me rich. It's the love of money that's the problem. Not the money itself. Not the stuff itself. And so we've exhorted you, and I want to say it again. Watch your words. And don't say, I love my car. I love my house. I love my new jewelry, my new ring, earrings, necklace, watch. I I love my new suit or dress. Don't say that. Don't use that word. Oh, well, you know, why make a deal out of words? No, listen, it is a deal. You're not supposed to love it. And you're supposed to use the word love correctly. God is love. This is important. What you're talking about is important. So everybody say it out loud. I don't love money. I don't love money. I use it. But I don't love it. I don't love love things. I love love God. I love love people. people. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Very important to keep this right. Keep this straight. Well, turn with me, if you would, over to Romans, please. Romans, the third chapter. 
Romans chapter 3. We saw how that uh, Lazarus' sister gave Jesus a very expensive personal gift, and he received it. And when he did, Judas and others joined in with him, said, Oh, what a waste! What a waste! This could have been sold for $20,000 and given to the poor. And yet the Bible said he didn't care about the poor. He was using a phony, fake concern for the poor as a cloak to cover his own love of money. The thing he was so upset about is because it's already spent. And it's not going to wind up in the bag where he can put his hand on it. That's what he's upset about. Because he loved money. And it's obvious, just a few verses later you read, he went to the priests and asked them how much money they would give him to betray Jesus. So it's obvious he's just consumed with love of money and betrayed the best thing that ever happened to him. The best one that ever came into his life betrayed him for 30 pieces of silver. And it's such a picture of our text that we've seen because how many know immediately after this he realized what a terrible thing he had done and he came back and his own soul was pierced through with many sorrows. He erred from the faith because of his love for money and it chafed him so bad he couldn't stand to live with it. He killed himself. Terrible situation. Wouldn't it have been so much better for him to love Jesus instead of money? And if he loved Jesus, he wouldn't have cared if they just gave him a million dollar gift that day. He would have shouted about it. You know, if you love people, then you rejoice when they prosper. You rejoice when something good happens for them. Don't you? Well, in Romans, the third chapter, notice this. Romans 3, verse 3. says, For what if some did not believe? Shall their unbelief make the faith of God without effect? God forbid. Yea, let God be true, but every man a liar. Now, a lot of folk know that, and they quote that part, but they don't quote the rest of it. And so they don't really understand what's being said here let God be true but every man a liar as it is written that you might be justified in your sayings and might overcome when you are judged who does you refer to here well it refers to God back up and see again God forbid, let God be true, but every man a liar, as it is written, that you might be justified in your sayings and what you said. That's God. And that you might overcome when you are judged. Mr. That can't be God because it says when you are judged. Oh yeah, it is. When God is judged? Yeah. People judge God on this planet every day. And sadly, far too many of them judge him unfair. Hmm? It's going on all over the place. There are people, I'm talking about believers now, things happen in their life, they don't understand it. Maybe they call themselves trying to believe a certain way, expecting a certain thing, it didn't happen. This thing happened that they didn't think should have happened or no shouldn't have happened. And even believers have gone, God, 
This is not right. This is not fair. Well, hold on. What's not fair? They're saying you're not fair. They're saying you didn't do something you should have done for me. You let something happen you shouldn't have let happen. You didn't do something you should have done. It's not right. It's not fair. You hear people all the time in this world talking about, well, now, how could a God who's a God of love let this happen or do this or not do this? What are they saying? They are judging God, aren't they? And they're judging Him as what? Unfair. Unfair. But what did the first part of the scripture say? Yea, let God be true. And every man that says something like that, every man that judges God unfaithful and untrue, that man is a liar. That woman is a liar because God is fair. Come on, anybody believe this beside me? God is fair. He's fair. Now there's times... That the devil will come to people because of things they don't see and they don't understand. And he'll say, where's God now? Where's your God? You're supposed to believe it's your God that's so faithful. Where is he? Where is he? Why did this happen? Why didn't this happen? He's accusing God to you. He's accusing God of being unfaithful to you. He's accusing God of not being fair. But you should know he's a liar. I said, you should know he's a liar. But friend, not just a few. There are untold numbers of people who no longer go to church. They no longer read their Bibles. They no longer pray. They feel like God has let them down. God wasn't there for them. God wasn't fair. But it's a lie. I said, it's a lie. It's a lie. Friend, I don't care what's going on. And what you see or don't see, or what you think or don't think, or what happened or what didn't happen, God is the best friend you will ever have. And if you start feeling hard at Him and leave Him, you are ignorant. Because you're leaving your help. You're running away from and feeling hard at the only one that can fix it for you. And it's stupid. And you know, I hope you understand, we're not talking about three or four people. There are many, many, many people. They're mad at God. They're upset with God. I want you to know the word is true. In fact, let me just read some of these to you. Psalm 916. You don't have to turn there, just listen. It says, the Lord is known by the judgment which he executes. The Lord is known, the NIV says, by His justice. He's known in heaven. He's known on the earth. He's known throughout eternity as the just one. Glory to God. He's known for His justness. We read this just recently in our regular reading, Psalm 36. Did you remember? Verse 5 says, Your mercy, O Lord, is in the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches unto the clouds. Your righteousness is like the great mountains. 
Your judgments are a great deep, O Lord. You preserve man and beast. How excellent is your loving kindness, O God. Therefore the children of men put their trust under the shadow of your wings. They shall be abundantly satisfied with the fatness of your house. And you'll make them drink of the river of your pleasures. For with you is the fountain of life. And in your light shall we see light. The psalmist also said in Psalm 119, 137, he said, Righteous are you, O Lord, and upright are your judgments. God is fair. He is just in everything he does and everything he does not do. He is just. He's right. He's fair. Well, don't you look that way to me? Well, there's just something wrong with your looker. Because he is. Well, I just don't see how that can be right. Well, it's just something wrong with the way you see. Because he's right. He's good. He allows a lot of things that don't please him. He allows a lot of things that are not his will. There are a lot of things he wants to do, but people won't believe him. And they won't open the door. And they won't obey him. And they won't cooperate. He'd have to violate his word. To do it for him anyway. And he can't do that. Because he's righteous. Because he's perfect. He is the righteous judge of all the earth. And his judgments are perfect. And good. And righteous. There's been a few times in my life that things didn't happen the way I was trying to believe. Maybe with somebody else for them to happen. Thinking of years ago particular family member that I was believing for. I had believed with one individual and man they had a miraculous healing. Doctors said they couldn't live. Everybody thought they should have been dead weeks ago. They got totally healed. Went home. Went back to work. Glory to God. Well man I'm excited about this. So a couple of years later we had a similar situation with another relative. I thought well hey let's do it again. Let's, well, I mean, we know how to do this now. And so I began to try to help them and minister to them. And everything seemed to be the same way. And they got worse and worse and worse and worse and died. Well, it bothered me. I thought, oh, God, you know, I, I thought we were believing. I thought this or that. But thank God I had enough sense to know God didn't let me down. Are y'all with me or not? I had enough sense to know this. If there was a failing somewhere, it wasn't with him. His word's still true, and he's good. And come to find out, it took a little while for things to come out, but some things came out that opened my eyes to what was really going on. I won't go into detail about it, but when they did, I thought, oh, Lord, oh, Lord, you are more merciful than I would have asked you to be in that situation. I didn't know that. I didn't see that. Well, that's the way it is every other day. Are you with me now? There's stuff we don't see. And stuff we don't know. And there's people down here are shaking their fists and going, God, that's not right. God, that's not fair. You shouldn't have. You should have. You didn't. And they're judging God and they're calling Him unjust and unfaithful. But I'm telling you, there's coming a day when everything's going to be laid bare and everybody's going to see it for exactly what it was. And when it is seen, every mouth is going to be stopped. And everybody's going to see that God was right. He was fair. He was just in everything he did and everything he did not. I believe it now. 
I don't have to wait to then. How about you? Whether I see it or whether I don't. And there will be in life. There will be some things you don't understand. There will be some things you don't know why. Some things that, you know, the devil will try to come and tell you, well, God didn't come through for you. There are some things you don't know. Don't dwell on what you don't know. But come to what you do know. And stand up in the middle of it, even if it's with tears. You stand up and you say, I don't know this, and I don't know why that, and I don't know it seems this or that. But I know this. I know this. God, you are faithful. I know this. You are true. You are righteous. You are fair. Fair and just and good. Whether I see it or not, you are. And I believe it. And I'm telling you, if you'll be like that, God will do things for you. He will move for you. He will help you. You'll be graced through what might seem like hard times to other people. You'll come out shining. Somebody say glory to God. Go with me please to Genesis. The 26th chapter. And at the same time, if you would find Mark chapter 10. Let's open these two places. Genesis 26. Mark 10. What does that have to do with would Jesus wear a Rolex? (laughs) Well, quite a lot, actually. Why? Well, because some people have Rolexes and some people don't. (laughs) Is that fair? (laughs) Some people live in uh, 20-room mansions, and some people live in cardboard boxes. Is that fair? (laughs) Oh, boy. Hmm? Some people drive $100,000 cars. Some people walk everywhere they go. Is that fair? (laughs) Oh, boy. (laughs) Can you feel that? (laughs) Is God fair? Somebody says, well, life is not fair. You're talking about what's life? How's the world treating you, people say? (laughs) Hey, (laughs) the world will hurt you. (laughs) Right? (laughs) The world is not fair. And just living life in the world is not fair. They don't need you coming crying going, it's not fair. You should already know. (laughs) It ain't fair. (laughs) It ain't fair. But let me tell you who is fair. God is fair. He's fair in everybody he helps and prospers. And he's fair in everybody he hasn't. He's fair. He's good. How many remember what he told you, you know, Cain... Got so upset because Abel brought Fluffy. We talked about it and gave in faith. And Cain, we went into some detail about it. He was covetous. He couldn't turn loose of his best like Abel did because he was too covetous. And so he didn't bring his best. And so his heart wasn't there and his faith wasn't there. And God was displeased with his offering and wouldn't receive it. But the Lord told him, he said, if you do well. Shall you not be accepted? What's he telling him? You can have this. Right? 
you can have the same blessing Abel's got. I'll bless you. I'll increase you. If, if you'll do what he did. Is it true that every man, woman, and young person on the planet can be blessed? Is it true that every person on the planet, I don't care where you are, where you come from, what you know or don't know, could have all their needs met, could be healed, could be rejoicing in God, could be free from sin, could be enjoying life, could enjoy some material things. Is it true? It's true. God's no respecter of persons. He's good and he's fair. But a lot of people don't want to believe that. They don't want to believe that. If you believe that, then it comes right back to here. And millions do not want to believe that. Well, if you don't want to believe the truth, what else is there left to believe? There's nothing left to believe but a lie when you reject the truth. This is happening all over. So people choose, instead of believing that, they choose to believe that God is not fair. That's not fair, God. You made them rich and you made me poor. That ain't fair. That ain't right. Why'd you give me this? You like them, you bless them, you help them, you won't help me. It ain't right. And there's a lot of bitter people on the planet. And so being they're bitter at people who have it. And mad and envious at them. In Genesis the 26th chapter, are you there? Genesis 26 and 12. Genesis 26. God told Isaac... Not to go to Egypt in his need, but to stay in the land where they're having a famine and drought. He said, verse 3, stay here. Genesis 26, 3. Sojourn in this land, I will be with you and will bless you. So he had enough faith to do it. And in verse 12, Isaac sowed in that land and received in the same year a hundredfold. Glory to God. In the same year that he sowed. And the Lord blessed him. The blessing of the Lord. <laughs> was making him rich. And it still does the same thing. Does the Lord still do the same kind of thing today. As you read about right here. Is it still possible to reap a hundredfold in the same year. It is. Certainly it is. And the man waxed great. And went forward. And grew until he became very great. Why? The blessing of the Lord was making him rich. For he had possession of flocks. Uh, possession of herds. Uh, plural. And great store of servants. Uh, and, and, and. The Philistine said... This ain't right. <laughs> this ain't. Uh, no, no. Not the Pentecostals. No, no. 
Not them word and faith people. No, no. Now, I can't bear to see them living in a big house. Oh, man. They envied him. And all the wells which his father's servants had digged in the days of Abraham his father, the Philistines stopped them and filled them with earth. They're trying to hurt him. Trying to hold back his prosperity. And Abimelech, who was king of the Philistines that were envying him, he's the king. He said to Isaac, you need to go away. Because you have more than we do. Go from us. You are much mightier than we. And he's talking about in possessions and in stuff. (laughs) They didn't like it. Now, do you believe in prosperity? Go to Mark 10. Keep this in mind. You believe in sowing and reaping? You believe in hundredfold? Is everybody going to like it? <laughs> Is everybody going to be happy about it? No, sadly, no. Sadly, no. Now, let me go over this again slowly. Why would they not be happy about it? What's the truth? Come on, tell me the truth. Let's say God has blessed you, He has prospered you, He put you in a new house, He's paid off all your debts, He's healed your body, you are healthy, wealthy. And wise. You, you are glad. Man, you're on top of the world. And other people see you and they're not doing well. Tell me what the truth is. The truth is, God will do the same thing for them. Right? He has done for you or better. If they'll do what you're doing. If they'll let Jesus be their Lord. If they'll serve Him. If they'll start tithing and going and not be covetous and and be willing and obedient, they'll eat the good of the land. Is that true? That's true. But a lot of folk don't want to believe that. Because that means I'm going to have to change. That means I'm going to have to do something different. I'm going to have to quit my sinful life. I'm going to have to get saved here. I'm going to have to, right? I might quit being so lazy and go to work. I might quit being so stingy and start giving. I'm about to quit, you know, pulling on everybody else and start looking to God. Many are not willing to do that. So if they're not going to believe the truth, what else will they believe? And a lie like, this ain't fair. God's not fair. You got it and I don't. That ain't right. It's not right. Jesus told them, when they're talking about the rich young ruler liquidating and putting things into the poor, into the kingdom of God, uh, Peter said in verse 28 of Mark 10, he said, We've left everything and followed you. Jesus said to him, verse 29, Verily I say to you, there is no man that has left house, our brothers, our sisters, our father, our mother, our wife, our children, our lands, for my sake and the gospels, but he shall receive... A hundredfold now, aren't you glad that's in there? Now, in this time, houses, when? Now, in this time, houses, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and lands 
lands. Somebody say, I'm getting my houses. I'm getting my lands. Now you need to qualify, which means you need to be willing and you need to act on letting stuff go for the kingdom. Elsewise, this verse don't apply to you. And what did he go on to say? Houses, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, lands with. I know you wanted to leave that out, but <laughs> come on, we word people, we take the whole thing, right? With, with persecutions for what? For all them houses and lands and hundredfold. Now, you and I can understand, we can know truth, we can know the Bible, we can know Jesus received expensive things. Would he wear a Rolex? Well, he received some mighty expensive stuff. They didn't make Rolexes back then. But the expensive stuff they had, he received some of it. Personally, we can see that people use fake care for the poor as a cover for their covetous. We can see all that, we can know all that, and still, people are not going to like it. When you prosper. Some people are going to talk bad about you. They're going to accuse you of being materialistic. They're going to accuse you of putting money ahead of other things. They're going to say you ought to do this with your money. You should do this or should do that. And they're judging you. And you know you're not going to be judged by their words. But they are going to be judged by their words. You know it. But you're still going to have to deal with people not liking it. Oh, but any sufferings that you encounter are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed. And any yan-yan and ugly grams that people send me don't compare with us being able to pay off churches and being able to feed people and being able to help other people get equipment for their ministry and don't compare. Because the poor can't help the poor. Why don't people get this? You ought to help the poor. You ought to help the poor. Okay, the poor can't help the poor. i got to prosper before I can help somebody. Why don't people get this? How is me being poor helping anybody? You ought to help the poor. I can't do it being poor. Yeah, but you shouldn't be rich. It's wrong to be rich, especially for you, preacher. (laughs) You're supposed to give it all up for Jesus. I already have more than once. But what's it to you? You better be working on yourself. Which brings us to our next scripture. (laughs) Go over to John, please. (laughs) John 21. What are we talking about here? You're going to have to deal with some envy. If you have any measure of success or prosperity... You're going to have to deal with it. I know a while back there was a, this group of ladies, there were about, I don't know, four or five of them, I guess. 
Oh, three in particular that were real close. Close friends. You see one, you see the other two. You know, this is a few years ago I'm talking about now. And uh, they were all a little bit heavy, had some extra weight. And one of them got on some things and got her faith in gear and lost like 100 pounds. And I mean, boy, she lost that weight and she got in great shape. And boy, she looked like a million bucks. And her other two friends decided they wouldn't be friends no more. They did. They're like, she called them and they forgot to invite her. Well, you know, well, they've been like this for years and they forgot to tell her about they were going to go shopping and they forgot to tell her they were going to go to the restaurant and they forgot to tell her. And, they, and after a while she said, what's the deal? Y'all don't want me to hang with you anymore? Well, you think you're better than us now because you wear a size whatever, you know. Why? What's the problem? Envy. But what's really the problem? Now, we've gone over this about three times. Tell me what's the truth. Back up. Remember what we just said. What's the truth? The truth is they can have what she has. God would do for them Exactly what he's done for her. He would grace them. He would help them. He would lead them. They could have victory just like her. Is that true? It's true. He's no respecter of persons. He's good. He's fair. He's just. If, here's the big one. If they would do what she did. What if you don't want that to be the truth? What if that's too plain for you? What if that, not, you're uncomfortable because that just brings it right back here. <laughs> but if you don't want that to be so, then you've already seen the truth. And if you don't want that, what else is there to believe? There's nothing that, once you've seen the truth and know the truth, if you don't want that, there's nothing else to believe but a lie. Like is not fair. That ain't fair. I mean, I've tried every diet in the world. I can just look at that bread and get fat. My metabolism is just under the basement and it's just, it ain't right. It ain't fair. Even if they don't say it, it's there. And what are people doing? They are judging God of being unfair and unjust. And so they feel justified in envying them because it ain't right. Well, yeah, if I had your metabolism, I'd be like that too. Well, yeah, if I had your friends you got, and God do everything for me and he did for you. Well, he will. He has. You're believing a lie. Hmm? I don't care what area it is. God's no respecter of persons. How many know instead of shunning her, what should they have been doing? Girl, tell us what you did. Tell us. Tell me again. Let's go. Go up. Will you help me? Humble yourself. Be teachable. Girl, you got it. We ain't been able to figure it out in 20 years. So you in charge. <laughs> you tell us you lead. We're going to follow you. 
Because it's obvious you got something here. But see, it takes humility to do that. It takes humility to admit somebody knows something you don't. Somebody's been more disciplined than you. Somebody's been, you know, more obedient than you, had more faith than you, had more vision than you. It takes faith and humility to admit that and acknowledge it. A lot of folks would rather believe a lie. John 21, are you there? Jesus has raised from the dead in this chapter. And uh, the disciples have gone fishing. And Jesus comes out on the shore of the lake. Glory to God. Just, you know, not too long ago, his body was cold and stiff in, in the tomb. He's standing out there on the lake shore going, Hey, boys, y'all catching anything? <laughs> Glory to God. The resurrected master. They didn't recognize him at first. I guess it was some distance. and They just thought it was somebody hollering from the bank. They said, Nah, we're not getting anything. He said, Throw your net over there. I said, okay. They threw the net, and I mean, by the time the net hits the water, huge catch of fish. They've seen this before. (laughs) This is not natural. (laughs) And when they did, in uh, verse 7, John 21, 7, Therefore that disciple whom Jesus loved, Now, do you know who that is? Well, it's John who's writing this. (laughs) You did know this is the gospel account of John. You know he knew what his mama named him. But he changed his name to the disciple Jesus loves. And he said, he said to Peter, it's the Lord. When Peter heard it was the Lord, he jumped into the water. He swam out there. And they, they're having a, a fish dinner. Cooking out on the side of the bank there. And you know Jesus got over with Peter and, and looked at him and said, Peter, boy, do you love me? And you know the story. He answered and went back and forth three times. And finally Peter said, Lord. You know everything. You know I love you. He said, well, then you feed my sheep. This is something that Peter's going to need to know for years to come. And I'm sure it's something that held held him. And You know, writing in the epistles of Peter, you'll see he talks about that, about being a shepherd and about not being lords over the flock, but being examples and about feeding the sheep. And as newborn babes desire the sincere miracle of the word, this is something that he got revelation off of the rest of his life. But uh, verse 18, the Lord gives him a glimpse into his future. Gives him a word of wisdom. And says, verily, verily, I say to you, when you were young, you gird yourself, you dressed yourself, and you walked wherever you would, wherever you chose to. But when you shall be old, you'll stretch forth your hands and another will gird you. And carry you where you would not. This spoke he signifying by what death he should glorify God. And when he had spoken this he said to him follow me. 
Now, you know, we, we may not have thought as much about it as we should have, but we should endeavor to glorify God not only in life, but in death. You don't get as much amen in on that. There is a right way to die, and there's a wrong way to die. There's a right time and season to go. As Job says, it's when you come to your grave in a full age, like a shock of corn comes in his season. But the Bible also talks about dying before your time and dying wrong. Let's believe God to glorify God in life. And if he tarries his coming, glorify him in our death. Let's go out the right time and the right way. Well, here he's gotten revelation that he is going to die in a way that glorifies God. That's a good thing. And then he says, follow me. He's talking to Peter, talking to Peter. Follow me. Verse 20, Peter turned about seeing the disciple whom Jesus loved. <laughs> Who is that? John. Following, which also leaned on his breast at supper. <laughs> now, as we go on, you're going to see this did not necessarily endear him to the rest of the twelve. <laughs> they said to each other, did you hear what John's calling himself? <laughs> what? He no longer refers to himself as John. He changed his name. <laughs> to What? The disciple Jesus loves. What? Yeah. He's telling everybody. He's signing stuff that way. Well. <laughs> Sounds like somebody else we know. Phyllis. And every time they go to eat, he scooches in by Jesus. He said, where's John? Well, find Jesus. He'll be right there. He thinks he's Jesus' shadow. <laughs> it didn't necessarily endear him to the rest of the world. And you see it right here. Because Jesus is telling Peter something very significant. He's giving him a glimpse into the future. He's telling him about how he's going to die. And how he's going to glorify God in his death. And what does Peter say? What's Peter's response? Are you reading? Peter, verse 20, he turned about and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved, following, which also leaned on his breast at supper. And the one that said, Lord, who's he that betrays you? And Peter, seeing him, said to Jesus, Lord, and what shall this man do? What about him? Why did he say that? Why would he bring that up? Why does he go, well, what about him? What about John? What about the one you love? <laughs> Why is he asking that? Why is he bringing this up? Because he thinks maybe John's going to get a better deal than him. And instead of Jesus consoling him that he's fair, 
What does he say? Verse 22, Jesus said to him, If I will that he tarry or stay here till I come, what is that to you? Follow me. In fact, it caused an issue. Verse 23, Then went this saying abroad among the brethren. It got out. (laughs) And it got all over town and all through the churches that John is not going to die. And he had to write it in here. He said, no, no, Jesus didn't say I wasn't going to die. He had to try to correct it and say, no, he didn't say I was going to die. He just said, if I will that he stay till I come, what is that to you? Friend, this is so important. I said, this is so important. Is God fair? What's he doing? He said, what about John? In other words, how's he going to die? I mean, you talking about me, i got to go where I don't want to go. And, and this don't sound so good. I mean, <laughs> I heard about the glorifying God part, but I can't get past that they're going to take you where you don't want to go. What about John? What's the, what, what is the deal? What's his problem? He's concerned maybe John's going to get a better deal. And there's a subtle accusation of, are you going to play favorites? Isn't it? With Jesus. Now think about this. He's sitting there talking to the risen Savior. Now you might like to think, well man, if Jesus came to my house and sat down on my couch and the risen Savior is talking to me, I'd never say anything like, oh, you know what you'd say? You'd be you. Yes, you would. I mean, you'd be awestruck for a little while, but as the conversation went on, you would open your mouth and talk just like you do on Wednesday afternoons because you can't help it. You're you. And they were all struck when they saw him standing on the bank with the fish grilling, but after the, as the afternoon wore on and they're having conversation, what was in his heart came out. And he said, well, what about John? And what did the Lord say? Let me read this to you from another translation. The Good News translation said, Jesus said, if I want him to live till I come, what is that to you? Follow me. The NCV says, the New Century, if I want him to live till I come back, that is not your business. You follow me. The God's Word translation says, If I want Him to live until I come again, how does that concern you? Another one says, What concern is that of yours? The easy to read says, Maybe I want Him to live till I come. That should not matter to you. Follow me. Oh, friends, we got to get this. I said we got to get this. Too many are going, what about them, Lord? I mean, I've been believing you for a new car for five years now, and I'm still driving this old junker. They just started church two months ago. What about their car? I mean, how come they already got a new house? I mean, I know her. She messed up bad two years ago. (laughs) And how come she, you know, how come? What's the answer to your thoughts and dilemmas? What is that to you? What's the answer to that question now? 
Jesus could have said something else. He could have tried to console him and go, oh, well, you know, he's got his own things that he's going to have to deal with too. And, you know, I'm going to be fair and I'm going to treat y'all all the same. No, he would have been stooping. Peter's got no right to question his justice, does he? And so Jesus answers him in no uncertain terms. How many think, looking into Jesus' eyes when he said that, it would have probably got your attention? The head of the church, the risen Savior, looks at you and goes, Well, if I want him to stay here till I come back, how is that any of your business? I suspect Peter was quiet the rest of the day. Don't you? When the risen Savior looks at you. Now, see, some people think, Well, Jesus would never say that. Can you read? Can you read? Because people don't know Jesus. He said it. And he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he's no respect of persons. And what he said to one, he says to all. What about their money? What about their house? What about their car? What about, they could have done that for the poor. Oh, they shouldn't have paid that much for that. They could have given this to the kingdom. Come on, help me out. Help me out. Huh? What is that to you? Do you know the answer to the question? Help me out. What's the answer to the question? Nothing. It's nothing to you. You shouldn't be talking about it. You shouldn't be thinking about it. What did he say? He said, what is that to you? You follow me. You better keep your eyes right here, Peter. You better forget about John. You better look here. Oh, wouldn't that straighten up a whole lot of things in the body of Christ? And with people judging one another and accusing one another and criticizing one another, it would eliminate all that stuff because we'd say, hey, Jesus said, that's nothing to me. That is nothing to me. I tell you, over the years, that is my response more and more and more. I'm learning. I'm growing. And people ask, what do you think about that? I go, hey, that's nothing to me. Nothing to me. Nothing to me. That is nothing to me. That's between them and the Lord. They're not going to stand before me. There's nothing to me. I got a full-time job taking care of my business. Keeping my eyes on the Lord. I got a full-time job being led for myself. Right? How about you? Everybody stand up on your feet. (laughs) Say it out loud. Glory to God. The Lord is merciful. Glory to God. The Lord is just. Glory to God, the Lord is merciful. Hallelujah. Just lift up your hands, praise Him for a few moments. Lord, we worship You this morning. You're so good, 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 You're so good. Pray it out loud, say it out loud, Father God. Forgive me for ever doubting You, ever questioning You. Your goodness, your fairness, I believe and am fully persuaded that you are completely righteous and just and fair in all you do and all you don't do. You are right. Hallelujah. Forgive me for ever looking at somebody else. Wondering about them, thinking about them, what they have, what they do, it is 
none of my business. It is nothing to me. I must keep my eyes on you and follow you. And I choose to. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.